This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Solomon commissioned the Levites to sing. They sang in one accord. God has an agenda for the room. And we join that agenda. There are no individuals in these moments. No individual agendas. It's His agenda. We join Him. Holy, 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 holy. you tonight we know you're here we sense your glory and presence fill this room fill our hearts fill our thoughts have the night we have no plan of our own but you the river of your spirit is the plan flow wonderful Holy Spirit touch people tonight. my life I want to be like Jesus wonderful Holy Spirit I yield to you completely I give my life to you in Jesus name Amen Amen quickly find your seats. I need the next 10 minutes of your undivided attention. I'm going to ask that nobody move. Can I, Theo, can I have my Bible and my iPad, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I keep my Bible in a cover so it stays warm. It's a fiery Bible. Are you happy tonight? Do you feel the Lord here? I do. I hope you bear with me when I'm 
ministering to the Lord and trying to lead the room. And uh, there are times to explode and call out and times not to. And it's, I love everyone. But we have to jealously guard what the Lord is doing or he cannot trust us with his manifest presence. The glory and the anointing are way different. The glory, his manifest presence, is tended to. It is protected and kept like Adam kept the garden. The anointing is a gift that requires partnership. You and the Lord, and it's where faith operates, but if we're going to break through into the manifest presence of God, then everything matters. Everything, every key, every song, everything matters. And in that moment, we have to come together in one accord. And the church, it's not because sometimes there are motives that are off but that's not the case all the time but the church needs to learn to move in one accord in the presence of the Lord to go deeper and that's my job the only reason you're really here is because the Lord's drawing you and if his presence lifts you'll never want to come back and neither will I I go to the golf course instead so I love all of you thank you for Thank you for being humble enough to receive that. I want to talk to you very quickly, no one moving, about your soul. Your soul. Say this, my soul is precious. Jesus made a statement. He said, what good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul. And then he said, what, what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Can we give enough money to redeem our soul? No. Can we give enough away, away to redeem our soul? No. Can we go to enough events to reclaim our soul? No. Our soul is precious. And think of this statement. Jesus said, what good is it if you gain the entire world? So all the world has to offer. Think of that for a moment. Every cent, every building, every nation, every authority every business if you could own it all Jesus said what good would that be if you lost your soul Ben mentioned last week the words of Solomon vanity vanity all is vanity everything we pursue outside of the Lord Jesus is vanity it's vain and it will be here one day and be gone the next think of that Jesus spoke about the flowers of the field and the grass that is alive one day and dies the next and is thrown into the fire that is what life is like the Bible says life is but a vapor you ever seen a vapor Ever held your coffee in the morning and that steam went up? Doesn't last too long, does it? 
That's what life is like in comparison to eternity. And the scripture tells us to number our days. Who here is over the age of 25? Aren't they just flying by now? Aren't they? Who here turned 30 and they can't even believe it? It happened. It actually happened. You needed a sozo after it happened. You, it, you never thought it would happen to you. And then 40 came. You never thought that would happen to you. Life is just flying by. And the devil, the enemy of your soul, wants to so distract you with worldly and earthly pursuits that you forget to number your days. But here's the deal. You can't number your days outside the Holy Spirit. That's why the scriptures cry out for the help of the Lord. Teach me. Teach me to number my days. It is healthy to number your days. It is healthy to remember that one day your eyes will close. Everyone here, I don't care how many kombuchas you drink, it will happen. Everybody here is fighting it. It's interesting. Christians spend their whole life, most of them, securing their souls, wanting to go to heaven, and the time comes and we fight it. Isn't that interesting? Because where there is a gospel deficiency and a presence deficiency, we begin to fear the grave that Jesus already conquered. Isn't that the truth? But the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. For the saint or the person who has numbered their days and has yielded their life to Jesus, the moment they close their eyes, they open them in glory. Oh, this is wonderful. This crazy, enslaving, twisted, corrupt world is not our home. Praise God is right. Somebody said praise God. Maybe you love it. I'm here to change it, but I am not in love with the world. I'm in the systems of the world. I love people like Jesus loved the world. But the ways of the world enslave people with distraction, with pursuit. And the scripture says, think of this, the love of money is the root of all evil. So much so that the scriptures, Paul tells the church, rather than sue each other, just suffer the loss. Let them rob you of money or let them rob you of the situation. Why not be wrong, but don't sue a brother? So disconnected with Paul from the love of money. Then he says, don't you know you're going to judge angels? What are you doing taking each other to court? Up your game, in other words, boys. You can't get along, you're going to judge angels one day. He thought from a different place. It wasn't here. And that's why, listen carefully. I said this this morning in Jacksonville. In the tabernacle, in Israel's tabernacle, where God dwelled, 
Their feet were in the dirt. There was no flooring for the tabernacle. But everything above the dirt was beautiful and revealed Jesus. Every color, every fabric, every material revealed the Lord Jesus. Every curtain, the number of curtains, the number of clasps, the altar of incense, the altar of sacrifice, the table of showbread because he's the bread of life, the seven golden lampstands because he's the sevenfold spirit of the Lord, the altar of incense because only worship takes you into the manifest presence. It's all about Jesus. The curtain is the Lord Jesus according to the book of Hebrews. All of it points to Jesus, but their feet were still in the dirt. In other words, God was reminding them, you are but a pilgrim. Your feet are here on earth, but your soul and your eyes need to be lifted to heaven. The busyness of the world has an agenda to keep you from numbering your days until it's too late. until it's too late. Reinhard Bonnke used to say, tomorrow is promised to no one. Eternity is not in front of us. It runs parallel with us. You can cross over at any time. Nobody here is guaranteed to make it home tonight. No one. How long is forever How long? How long is eternity? How long does eternity last? I said, why are you preaching with such passion? Because there is nothing more important than what I'm talking about right now. Your eternity. Your eternity. And here's the deal. Some of you think you just came to Jesus' image tonight to check off your little Jesus image visit. Because you saw it on YouTube. No, no, no. You didn't come to Jesus image tonight. God brought you to Jesus tonight. The Holy Ghost brought you here tonight for a reason. Before you were ever born, the Lord knew you'd be right here tonight. And he brought you to save you. To save you. And the sad thing is, is we don't even know what that means anymore. I live the way I want, but I am, sa I am saved. No, you're not. You can't tell me your eternity is secure when your current lifestyle is not changed. Of course everyone wants to give Jesus their eternity. We just don't want to give Jesus today. The proof that your eternity is secure. And the scriptures do say, make your election sure. The way to know is that your current life is yielded. That your current life has been cleansed. That your current life has been liberated. That's why Jesus said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. In other words, he's saying, you don't need to be fixed. You need to be born again. You need me to become your life. You need your old life to die. And I need to fill your body with my life. Not a changed life. You hear this every week. 
a new life. Born again, a second birth, a new birth. That word means born from above. There is a way to know that you're born again. John's epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, make it very clear how to know who we belong to. And in a nutshell, it's very simple. Is the life of Jesus being expressed through your life? It's very simple. That's why he tells us to love one another. He who doesn't love is not one of us. He is not of God, for God is love. What is he trying to say? If Jesus is living through you, it's proof of your salvation. If he is not, you need to give the Lord your life. This thing's been clouded when it's so clear. So simple. Not easy, but very simple. And so Jesus said things like this. Before a man builds a tower... He should count the cost. Lest he begin building and doesn't have the resources to finish the tower and bring shame. You'll only know what is worth living for when you discover what you're willing to die for. Then you'll be alive. The moment You are willing to lose all for Jesus. You'll be truly alive. Jesus said that. He said, he who is willing to lose his life will find it. And he who desires to keep his life will lose it. We don't run our own lives and expect Jesus to accept us on that last day. No, no, no. We lose our lives into his arms. We give all to him. We give our future, our agendas, our plans, our sin, our everything, our will, our pursuits of things that do not bring satisfaction. We give all to Jesus. We lose our life and everything we know about it. We say, Lord, here I am, have me. And in that moment, you come alive with his presence. I want everyone to stand, please. I want every head bowed and eye closed, please. If you feel the Holy Spirit tonight convicting you, that is a sign that God is reaching out to you, friend. And the Bible doesn't say today is the day of salvation. The Bible says now, now, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time. I want to invite you to give your all to Jesus with every head bowed and eye closed. You say, Michael, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. I want to fully repent and surrender. I want to fully lose my life and hand it over. I want every hand to go up that wants to do that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. If you raised your hand or you wish you did, I want you to get down here right now. Come on. There are many of you. Come on. Come on. Come down here. I want you to spread out when you get down here. Come. Come give your life to Jesus. Come. Let nothing hold you back. Let nothing hold you back. Come give your life to the Lord. Young and old. Young and old. Children, children, if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, you tell your parents. Come, come. They're still coming. Look, 
If you, children, if you want to give your life to Jesus tonight, tell your mom and dad, go down there with me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Did you come with this young man? Yeah, please come with him. Please come with him. Come on, give the Lord praise. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Lord. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. If you brought someone tonight, or you're here with someone, and you know they may need to come down there, I want you to look them in the eye with boldness and say, do you need to go down there? And if so, tell them you'll go with them. Do it right now. Do it right now. This is the time. This is the hour. There is nothing to be ashamed of. Come on, give your life. Come on, give your life to Jesus tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is nothing in this world worth choosing above the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing. Nothing. Come, come, come. Come. Thank you, Father. Look at this world shaking at its core, filled with uncertainty. Only Jesus is a rock. Come. Come, young man. Take him over there, there, Ryan. Lead them over there. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Isn't the Lord wonderful? Isn't the Lord wonderful? Thank you, Father. He's so good. The Holy Spirit's moving. Friends, if you came forward, look me in the eye. Please look me in the eye. This is a holy, sacred moment. The last thing we're going to do is just go through some vain repetition, some routine, so that your sins can get blotted out. They will, but there's something much more beautiful. There's going to literally be a life-for-life exchange tonight. You're going to give the Lord your life, all your sin, everything you've ever done to grieve His heart, and it happens thousands of times a day in all of us. By faith, you're going to hand your life over. And the Lord will nail all of that to that cross, to a tree. And the Bible says that we were crucified with Christ. And because we've been crucified with Christ, we will be raised with Christ Jesus. This is awesome. So we're about to begin praying. And as we do, I don't know how to say this any better but this way make it as childlike as possible and make it as real as you know how to deep in here let your heart connect with your words and here's the beautiful thing the scripture says that if we come unto him he will not cast us away he doesn't know how are you ready to pray Close your eyes. Just lift your hands as an act of surrender. I want all of you in your seats to stretch your hands towards these precious people. Stretch. And this is, again, this is what you're praying as I'm praying with them. You're praying that they would never know a day away from the Lord, that they would live a victorious Christian life filled with the Holy Spirit, and that that they would remain in the fold forever and change the world. Amen? Let's all pray this together. Let's go. Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight 
a sinner. Save my soul. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me. I am sorry, Lord. Forgive me. Lord, I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin. I turn from the world. I turn from the devil. And I turn from my own will. And I put all my trust in you, Lord Jesus. All my faith in you. All my faith in your shed blood. I give my life to you. Jesus, I believe that you came to the earth. That you suffered and died on the cross. That you shed your blood to redeem my life. I believe that you died, that you were buried and raised again. You are God Almighty, raised from the dead, and you have ascended to the right hand of the Father. You are returning again to rule and reign. You are the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. I give you my life. I give all to you. Come into my heart. Save my soul. In Jesus' name. I am born again. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, come on, give him praise one more time, one more time. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Would you just look at me just for two more minutes? I know that gets boring, just but just bear with me. There's no reason you have to live in defeat ever again. But there's some things I want you to do. Some things the Lord wants you to do. Number one, now that you are His, read His Word every day. Every day. Take your Bible and just begin reading like a child. And when you have questions, ask. Every day. How often will you read your Bible? Every day. Number two, pray every day. That's very simple. You just go in and talk to the Lord. The Word of God will birth prayer inside of you. Because you're going to have questions. Or you're going to be amazed. The Lord's going to show you Himself. You're going to be blown away. And that's going to come out of your mouth. And before you know it, you'll start praying. It's that simple. Number three, you need to be baptized in water. And John and Jenna, John, Jenna, raise your hand. They are leading our new believers. And it's vital that after this service, please, please look at me. I need you to go find them after the service because it's vital that you're baptized in water and they're going to help make that happen. When you go into the water, you are literally cut off from this generation in the world. Completely separated from it and the old man. It's vital that you're baptized in water. So one, read your Bible every day. Two, pray every day. Three, get baptized in water. Number four, you need to plant your life into a body of believers. That's called church. Don't let the word church freak you out. 
you still need it. As jacked up as the church is and has been, you still need the church. It is the body of Christ. We would love to have you here. If God calls you somewhere else, thank God, but you need to plant your life. And I don't mean just attend. I mean become a part of the life of the church. Find a church that believes the whole Bible, the whole Bible, and not by word only, but is willing to take the risk to actually live it. Number two, number two, find a church that loves the presence of Jesus because the presence of Jesus is Jesus and the church should love the head of the church, don't you think? It's important. Lastly, Jesus promised that you would receive power. Say power, all of you, say power. Why is that important? Because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that grabbed your soul tonight. And God wants you to do exactly what I did tonight, maybe in a different way. Maybe you're not called to stand on the platform. But the Lord wants to lead many people to the beauty of Jesus through your life. The good news is, is you don't have to do that on your own. God doesn't want you to do that on your own. He wants you to do that through the same power that Jesus walked in on the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit. So number one, read your Bible every day. Number two, pray every day. Number three, connect with John and Jenna, all of you after service, to be baptized in water and so that we can walk with you. Number four, plant your life in a local church. Number five, ask Jesus to empower you with the Holy Spirit so that the world around you can be changed. Many of you have family members who need Jesus. They need to know the peace that you just discovered tonight. God can use you. God can use you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me just pray a quick prayer over you. Heavenly Father, bless them. Keep them. Protect them. Use them. I plead the blood over them. And empower them. Holy Spirit, come upon them. And use them for your glory. Touch them as you did in my life as a young boy here in the city. Fall on them the same way. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wonderful Holy Spirit, speak to us, change us. Thank you for what you've done tonight and what you will do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you. So, as you guys know, uh, I'm not sure if you know actually, but I did, I pastored years ago in California and it was pretty sad to watch. I always say that if you, you wanted to stay lost, not get saved, and stay sick, we were the church for you. <laughs> Super encouraging. Uh, we had 400 people our first week, and we grew to 70 in three weeks. <laughs> and I, I used to tell our team every week, we are a mega church. We're mega small. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the Lord, the Lord has to uh, show you how helpless you are without the Holy Spirit. And he's willing uh, to take all the time we need to discover that. The Lord glories in our weakness, not in how ready we think we are. And typically, we think we're much more ready than we really are. And then you, you begin to realize uh, when, when you think the Lord is delaying that it was actually his mercy. Uh, the I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, the, pre- the blessing of the Lord requires the presence of the Lord, and the presence of the Lord is weighty, and weight always reveals fractures. You know, if you're doing squats 
and you have a, a stress fracture in the shin, you're going to know really quickly because you've added weight to your life. And so the Lord will take all the time you need to expose the fractures, heal them, get you through it, and create the character in you to carry the blessing of the Lord. It's really important. I said it's really important. Maybe some of you, maybe that helps some of you who think God for, has forgotten about you. Not forgotten about you. Uh, he's, he's loving you. He's loving you. And let me tell you, um, when he blesses you and the responsibility comes, just remember you asked for it. <laughs> but uh, we pastored there. God did great things looking back, but it was such a brutal environment that my own wife wouldn't listen to my sermons. <laughs> I'd be like, babe, you coming today? She's like, I'm going to stay home. That was just, no. No. She's watching church. I was on TV and I'm out preaching, you know. So that's when you know you need a little help. I also learned that, uh, that my father-in-law's encounter with the Lord was not my own. And you can't, uh, you can't look at a cripple and say, in the name of my family member, get up and walk. You either have oil or you don't. That's why a lot of PKs never really meet their potential because they think they deserve something that they have not paid for. If you're a PK, sorry, but uh, that's just the way it is. Few, few really meet their potential because they have a sense of entitlement. And God has to blow all that out of you. He has to become your Jesus. He has to become your savior, your provider, your healer, your sanctifier. You have to meet him on your own. And so that was really the process. And we moved here in 2010, at the end of 2009, November of 2009. And um, I, I said I will never pastor again, ever. And so Jesus' image was birthed as an evangelistic ministry I began traveling, and I preached everywhere. Man, I preached at women's aglow meetings at Marie Callender's, the pie shops. I just preached anywhere. Storefront churches, home groups. I'll never forget my first women's aglow meeting. They loved me. I was like their little baby. They just they thought I was awesome. I got to speak at the Christmas banquet and everything. It was awesome. One time I got a pie as an honorarium. Didn't pay the bills, but it tasted good. But I kept going. I've never preached for money. I think it's a sin. I think it's a sin. If the gospel's not for sale, why should the people preaching it be for sale? That's a horrible, putrid thing that God is blasting out of the body of Christ. And may he pummel it even more until it's all gone. We don't preach for money. We preach because Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and he's worthy of a people, an offering worthy of the nations. So I just went for it and I would spend every Tuesday with God. I mean every Tuesday. Start at six, stop at about five. And I had nothing. I had no, I was preaching a good bit but most people thought I was crazy and uh, I wanted to know Jesus and began seeking him. And uh, slowly doors started opening and the nation started opening. And really fathers began to stand around me, fathers and mothers, Heidi, my father-in-law, Reinhard, 
was a massive encouragement and support to me. Bill, Tommy Reed, Paul Teske, many, many great people. The sisters who are in Phoenix, the evangelical sisterhood, they really just gathered around me and uh, really refused to see me uh, uh, not step into the call of God. Looking back, that was really the mercy of the Lord. At the time in 2010, our uh, Jesse's family walked through a difficult time. Thank God it was all restored and totally healed. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But man, was it a tough time to launch a ministry. Really tough. People looked at me and said, bro, we love you, but you're kind of a liability. And I said, wow, God bless you too. And, 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 and the Lord began to move. And people started being healed and Amazing miracles took place, blindness, deafness, tumors exploding, literally falling out of people's bodies, and, and the nations really opened, and, and I began to discover Jesus in private, and he would jump out of our meetings in public, and people began to know the Lord. And my heart was really burning for the nations at the time. And then I had a dream, and in the dream, God began to stir my soul for America. This was 2012. I began to feel a deeper connection to the states, not realizing what was coming to our country. But how many of you know that now we can send full-time missionaries into American cities? America has no idea what is about to hit it. I'm telling you. Many of our Jesus School students will take long-term assignments in American cities, preach Jesus, and carry the presence of God. The devil has no chance. I said, the devil has no chance. So that, that started stirring me. And uh, I began to travel in America more. In 2014, we hosted our first Jesus event. Jesus 14 took place right here in Longwood, Florida at one church. I think we sat 600. And I thought 100 would show up. Uh, we had my father-in-law and Reinhard and then a bunch of my other friends and what a joy it was to get those two together. It was really historic, even though it was in a small room. But I remember thinking, will anyone come? And they did. They came. Maybe some of you were there. I don't know. I know Eduardo was there. <laughs> and God really moved. And then we had Jesus 15. Heidi joined the, the squad. I think that's about when Todd came around as well. Jesus 16. Uh, Bill jumped in. We had spent a year or six months in Reading, just resting. The Lord spoke to us to get, get ready to see our lives completely transformed. And oh my gosh, how our lives were impacted there. Just watching Bill and lead the way he led. And it was a great time of rest and really um, just beauty for our children. Uh, little Benny was in, encountered the Holy Spirit in like science or some class, I don't know. I mean, they went to school there in Reading. How, how many of you think we should like have schools here where your kids get absolutely rocked by the presence of the Holy Spirit? So that happened and uh, we came home and um, went back one more time because the Lord asked us to. And uh, on our way back, the second time, right before we left, something dropped in my spirit. I was driving down the road on a Eureka Highway, 278 is the highway number there in Reading. 
and something landed in my spirit. I don't know how to explain it, but I could see. I, I, I don't know how else to say other than it was a Holy Spirit moment. I could see the mastery of the wisdom of God on how to watch God build something here in Orlando. I just saw. I saw the school. I, I, I saw that God would send uh, the nations to Orlando once again like he did when I was a little boy and that the wonderful wells of the presence of the Lord, the preaching of Jesus and the healing power of the Holy Spirit, that that would return again to our city. And I felt the Lord adjusting my heart and it was scary. While traveling was tough on my body, the sense of responsibility in beginning a school was a bit overwhelming. You know, I just, because I didn't start the school to end it quickly. I knew it would be an all-in assignment. Jesse and I talked about it. Bill and I had dinner. I said, Bill, I'm just driving, and this blueprint landed on me. You know. I think it was that spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I said, I don't know what happened. And he just looked at me and goes, oh, yeah, it's in the air here. I go, oh, that helps. <laughs> Gee, thanks a lot. And so then Bill gave me a prophetic word. Before we left, we asked Bill to pray for our family. We went in. And there were many dreams prior to that. And all my time around Bill and my friends there, I'd never seen Bill do this. But he instantly laid hands on me and us. And he said, the day is coming where uh, these movements will become family. And he said, and when that happens... A great move of the grace of God will flow from the West Coast to the East and a great move of the Holy Spirit will take place. I thought, wow. So I carried that in my heart and came home. I called, uh, I called our, our board and uh, spoke to some of our team. Jesse and I prayed about it and we said we want to start a school. And in the school, we want to freely give away whatever the Lord has given us. And we want to spend extended stints of time in the presence of the Lord. And we want to teach a people how to minister to Jesus and live in his presence and how to love the Holy Scriptures. That a bridal heart would emerge and we exposed our students to those people that we had been walking with and who touched our lives. So we just went for it. And the first year, 76... 76 students came. It felt like a stadium. You have to remember now, I'd been on the road since 2003. Much of that time with my father-in-law and then from 2010 to 2017 on my own. And I was a bit tired. But as I began teaching and walking with the students, something happened in me. And I began to enjoy the journey and see the Lord change them and Something the school provided me was the ability to see what actually changes lives and what does not. Because you're with them every day and the good students let you into their junk. The other ones are just learning to trust us. And I understand. But as I would get into their lives and hear about their lives, Jess would get into their lives and our team I began to discover what ran the devil out of their life. 
And I said, I'm going to do more of that. So they got the word. I mean the word. And I began to teach John 1. I thought I would teach it for two days. I taught it for eight weeks. And what I found is, is those who had bondages were being set free under the sound of the word of God. So they would minister to the Lord for hours in the morning. We would come and teach. The Lord would come in and crash in on the room. And then we would just step back and let the Lord move. Then another desire was planted in my heart. And the desire was create a space for worship on a Sunday night. It doesn't matter if it's big. In fact, I didn't want it to be big. I mean, I had already seen a crowd of 3 million people in 2205 with my father-in-law. So I, the, the amount of people do not equate to blessedness. So the amount of people do not feed the soul. Only his presence feeds the soul. So whether it's a massive meeting or 76 students in the room, I'm satisfied. I, have, I was no more satisfied at Jesus 20 than I am tonight. Thousands are on the field. There are hundreds here. I'm equally satisfied because it's the same Jesus. Say amen. So I thought, let's just start this Sunday night meeting. I felt like the students needed some type of chapel setting where they could gather and do nothing but minister to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, on those Sunday nights, I want you to preach a clear gospel every Sunday night or I will not send the lost to you. That makes sense. Why would the Lord send the lost to us if we don't preach the gospel? So the Lord blesses people who preach the gospel. He sends people their way. The Lord is an amazing leader, slightly. So I began to preach the gospel on those Sunday nights. The Lord would come in. We were in that little building at St. Andrews. Well, actually, I told Austin, just get me a room that seats 70 people. He goes, bro, what's wrong with you? I said, just give me 70 people. He goes, I said, I don't even think that'll fill up. Austin goes, what is wrong with you? Like, we're not doing 70 people, dude. I go, all right, fine. What is St. Andrew's seat? It was like 400 packed in. 300 seated, 400 packed in. I thought 50 people would come in. I didn't care. I just wanted to be with the Lord. All of a sudden, we booked it, and I pulled up, and there were people parked all over the place. Then I got scared. <laughs> I go, no, no, no. That's not what I wanted. We just want to sing. But not with all these people. And they were standing there. And the air broke that night. How many of you were there? The air broke. It was so hot. I said, Austin, what are we doing? So we burned them up that night. The Lord did beautifully come. It was awesome. Oh, man, it was powerful. The next Sunday came. I pulled up. And as I'm pulling up, I go, there's no way people came back. It was too hot. It was too hot. There's no way. It's sweaty smelly there's no way they came back packed again well a few months later people started saying uh, hey bro this is a church and I go not a church man I said well what is it I said it's a gathering <laughs> it's a Jesus night And they're like, oh, okay. So Michael Miller came through. I think he preached like a month in. 
as we were meeting, he looks at me, he goes, bro, this is a church. I go, you stick with upper room. You let me handle Jesus' image. It's not a church. He goes, okay. And while we were sitting there in the glory of God, you guys remember those nights we would just wait on the Lord and he would come? Miller looked at me. He goes, I just had a vision. I see this, this Sunday night meeting in a building that has a massive balcony and there are thousands of people there. And when we stepped into Calvary on two Sunday nights ago, I go, oh, there were people up on the balconies, 2,000 people waiting outside. And Miller's vision, uh, it, it was brought back to me. Amazing, right? So as the weeks went on, I started having other friends in. So Nathan Morris came in. Nathan Morris does not have a passion deficiency when he preaches. <laughs> All right? He's full on. And I love him. So he's walking and he gets this wild look in his eye. So he's walking and he looks at me and he goes, call it what it is. Like mid-sermon. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You call this what it is. This is a church. Like, Nathan, keep it moving. You're... you're your time is almost up. <laughs> well, then we had Danny Silk. And I'm trying to introduce Danny. And Danny's on the front row. And I hear him talking to Jess. And he goes, uh, I can hear him. I'm at the pulpit, like praying, doing the offering. And I hear him talking to my wife. And I hear Danny go, so... Uh, that's what I heard. How often do you guys meet? Jess goes, every Sunday night. He goes, uh-huh. And uh, does he teach the Bible every Sunday night? She goes, yeah. He goes, do you guys give offerings? She goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, this is a church. <laughs> I'm listening to this. I'm like, let's sing hallelujah. I'm going to forget about what Danny said. Well, then, bear with me. I'm just being funny here. Then I made the mistake of having my father-in-law. Which, let me tell you something. Childlike and pure-hearted, but he cannot keep a secret <laughs> at all. In 2005, when uh, Theo was, when Jesse got pregnant with Theo, he was at a meeting and we were backstage about to go out and preach. I said, hey, Bob, I got good news for you. He goes, what? I said, Jesse's pregnant. But you, I go, you can't say anything. He goes, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I'm not going to say a word. And we're behind the curtain. Aren't you glad we don't have curtains? <laughs> so I go, Bob, you can't say a word. He goes, okay, yeah, 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 no problem. He takes the platform. He goes, you are not going to believe this. <laughs> Jessica is pregnant. <laughs> I go, sorry, babe. She goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So that Sunday night in 2017, would have been 18 maybe by then. I don't know. Probably 18. I don't know. He basically, before I even had the chance to, announced that this is a church. So he takes the mic, goes, this is a church, and I'm here to announce it. And I'm like... Bub, you can't announce it's a church without me. Like, what are you doing? He goes, sir, I can't. So he did. The story of my life. Well, here was the weird thing. 
is that while he's praying that this be a church, and then he announced it at Jesus 18 in front of the world, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, what are you going to do? So while, he, while he's announcing that over at St. Andrews, basically dedicating this is a church without me even standing next to him, Nathan Morris just walks in. I'm like, bro, what are you doing here? He goes, God told me to come. And remember, Nathan had just told us weeks prior to call this what it is. So my father-in-law looks at Nathan and he goes, this is why you've walked in, Nathan, to confirm it because it's at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Nathan goes, that's exactly why I've come. I was, home, I was home getting ready to go just lay down. And the Lord said, get up and drive over to St. Andrews. So at that point, I, it was a real sober time. I had to do a lot of soul searching. A lot would have to die in my life. A lot I would have to really shut down, especially travel. Probably travel has been shut down by 60 to 70% for me and commit my life to the Lord's presence in the people. But I noticed that the, the events have exploded since we've been gathering as a church, and they're more powerful. The outreach element is into the millions now with just media. And I was under the deception that I had to choose between nations being touched and God using Orlando to be a city set on a hill. And raising up a people in the presence. In Jesus, you don't really have to choose. You just choose him. And whatever he gives you, you walk in. So uh, that summer we moved down by the airport. You guys remember? We moved down near uh, MCO. And then the summer was up and we needed a building to start Jesus School last year. And this building opened. It was the only building that was available. And I'm super grateful to Pastor Clint and Judah for letting us come. And I want to say that publicly. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Due to facility issues, not here, but just in general, availability, we haven't been able to meet on Sunday morning. And we've been wanting to meet on Sunday morning. Now, most people, by the time they get a church this size, they have like three buildings different campuses. But when you, we have, how many students are not here right now? Like 150, 200? What do you think? What do you think the number is? 100? There's still 100 students who aren't even in the room. So we began to run into this issue. How could we go to Sunday morning? There was nothing available. COVID hit. But I wanted to tell you tonight that we've had a couple facilities open that we could rent in the interim. Just hear me carefully. And we will go to Sunday morning very soon. Hear me out. I know many of you visit here on Sunday nights. We will keep the Sunday nights as well. But it is time to build a church family in the glory of the Lord. Now, Austin will be meeting with people tomorrow. Speaking of the two facilities, we will hear about the details of the availability and which facility is going to work best for our needs. On Sunday morning, I want you to know this, it will be an experience in the presence of God for your entire family. We will have all of the age groups for Children's Church. Praise God. You guys can drop your kids off. 
not be nervous? Is Michael or Pastor Benny going to rebuke my child for crying? No, you don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> this is a wonderful thing. I'm really excited about this. The Sunday nights will remain because the nations have been flying in. Before COVID, we have, on the average, about 8 to 12 nations every Sunday night who have flown in just to be in the room. And I don't want to eliminate that. So Sunday morning will be for those who are like, Jesus' image is my family. This is my tribe. I am a ride or die with Jesus' image. That is, these are my people. And, and I'm going to live in the glory of God with these people. That is the Sunday morning experience. I will teach the word and we will worship the Lord. We're not going to cut the worship time. We're not going to turn into some franchise, cookie-cutter, people-pleasing church. That's not happening. That'll never happen. That will never happen as long as I'm alive. And if it happens in the next generation, I will appear and attack them. I will attack them. I will come back as one of the witnesses and attack them. It's not allowed. You cannot franchise church. You can franchise an organization, but only God can birth a church. And I never want this church to be marked with savvy promotion. I never want this church to be marked with man's ability and strength. I want the glory of God to draw the nations. That's who we are. That will never change. It will never change. Ever, never will it change. So that being said, uh, good news, your children will have a place to encounter God. What it will not be is a babysitting service. It will be an inferno for your children. I want your children to be marked by the presence of Jesus. We need the next generation to be marked by the presence of Jesus. There will be Sundays where I will not be behind the pulpit in the main sanctuary. I will be ministering to your children. And I'm not afraid of them. <laughs> I'm not afraid of your children. I used to be afraid of ministering to kids because they stare at you if you're horrible. I would always say no to youth events. I'm like, no, I'm not doing a youth event. No way. No, I'm going to stick with Women's Aglow, but I'm not, doing, I'm not doing the youth event. But I'll tell you what kids do when the glory of God shows up. They're all in. So we're going to see our children touched by the power and presence of the Lord. That being said, it will be uh, most likely, these two facilities are in Seminole County. So um, Sunday night we'll stay here at least until we get our building, our full-time home. Our, I almost said eternal home, but it's not our eternal home. <laughs> Heaven is our eternal home. But the Sunday mornings will most likely be in Seminole County, and we should know by the end of the week, hopefully. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, now, let me also just say this last thing, and then we're going to receive communion. Uh, I believe we've had two meetings with the county and the city on the land, for the land that we are under contract on. That is also in Seminole County. I need you guys to be praying that God would give us favor. So far, the meetings have gone wonderfully. And we need that to continue. So the two venues we're looking at for Sunday morning will most likely stay there. 
And from what I've heard, I, I don't want to give you times. I'm just trying to be as authentic and transparent as a pastor as I can be. Most people have given me, as far as a building time, like the 15 to 18 month range to get the building up. But the contract is on about 10 acres right now in Seminole County. It will house our school. We will be able to put up a sanctuary that seats about 1,200, which is uh, 100 people larger than this. And I don't want it to be any bigger, uh, to be honest with you. I want to keep this intimate feel. We'll be able to divide it for the sake of the school into quadrants. Our hope is to divide it with soundproof systems so that first and second year can meet in certain rooms. We will have our prayer house there and everything. It's going to be phenomenal. Okay. That is on the way, and I just wanted to let you know, we are moving forward at light speed. We are actually under contract on the acreage, and we will, uh, Austin will have a conversation tomorrow about the two rental facilities in Seminole County for Sunday morning. And I am excited. I am excited. The reason, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I feel from the Lord we must make intentional steps into what it looks like to be a church family. And I, with everything in me, I want to see your children's children in love with Jesus. And I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this. As a child, I burned for the Lord. I burned for the Lord. I was radically touched, and I know what the glory of God can do. And that's what I long for. I want to see families living in the presence of God. That's why Ryan and Jenna moved here. Not Ryan and Jenna. Ryan and Carla. It's why John, John and Jenna are having a baby. I want, y'all didn't know that? They're not having a baby for the church. Well, they kind of are. They're growing the church. But I, want, I was thinking about it yesterday. They drove me up to Jacksonville. I said, I want that little baby. I want her to be under the glory of God. I do. I want, I want her to live in the presence of God. Right? Ryan and Carla moved from Salinas, California to live in the glory of God. I want my children to live in the glory of God. And it's time. I said it's time. I am believing the Lord in faith. There is no doubt in my mind that the Lord can do this, that we will walk into that building fully built, debt-free. Debt-free. And when you need a place to pray at 1 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, you'll have a place to come pray. you have a place to be with Jesus. And our Levites, our wonderful worship team, will be ministering to the Lord for hours on end, and that place will be bathed in the glory of the Lord. I am believing that when people pull onto that property, that they will know they have stepped into a different place, that they have stepped into heaven on earth. That's my desire. And when I'm long gone, I still want the nations to fly to that place and experience the Lord Jesus. It's possible. I said it's possible. It will happen. Amen? Are you excited? All right, give the Lord praise. I'm excited. I think it's awesome. We've got about 20 more minutes. Can you take your communion elements, please? Baby, did I forget anything? How did I do? Thank you. <laughs> don't open them yet. I just want you to hold them. Just make sure if you don't have elements, we have uh, 
a, a, a lady there on the right side, stage, stage right. She needs her elements right there, guys. Thank you, Dion. Go ahead and just put your communion down next to you. How many of you have read the first three chapters of the book of Revelation? Okay. I do want this church to read the entire Bible. Uh, We did a survey years ago in a pastor's conference, and we asked pastors, how many of you have not read the the entire Bible? And I would say it was a 60-40 split. Pastors. I'm like, wait, what are you preaching? What are you talking about? But if you look at these first few chapters here in the book of Revelation, it's really interesting to me in chapters uh, really two through three, as the Lord begins speaking to the churches and correcting them and encouraging them, he never once addresses attendance as being an issue. So never once does he say to the church at Ephesus, uh, your church is too small. You don't have enough people. I have this against you. Your crowd is too small. He doesn't even go there. It's not even on his grid. Attendance has nothing to do with success. How many of you believe that Mary was successful at the tomb when she beheld the resurrected Christ? She's all alone. I said this last week, but if attendance were the marker for success, then Calvary was a failure. There were just a few with him there. Jesus had massive crowds in Galilee, and only a few stayed with him to Calvary. Well, was Calvary less successful than Galilee? No. There's no greater representation of the nature of God than Christ crucified. Jesus laying his life down is the ultimate success, and only a few were there. So Jesus never addresses church size in Revelation 2 and 3. He speaks to the hearts. To the hearts. Say the hearts. Say this very quickly. Say, say, Jesus is after my motives. Last night, did anybody watch the Instagram live I did with the send last night? Any of y'all watch that? A few of you, okay. Andy Bird asked me a question last night. He said, if you could say one thing to this generation, what would it be? And even to the generation coming up behind you, What would you say to them? I said, this is what I'd say. Go into your room, shut the door, and build a history with the living Christ. Get to know Jesus. I want you to think about for a moment, if you were about to breathe your last and your family was standing around your bed, what would you tell them? Would you tell them to go build a big church? To go do a big meeting? Book a stadium? I'm not against it all. We do that. But 
Is that what you'd tell them? Is that what you'd leave them with? Is that what you want your tombstone to say? I did big meetings. I built big churches. I'm a church planter. I want you to think about that for a moment. What would you tell your child if you had one thing left to say? I know what I tell mine. Love Jesus. And once you have that answer, my challenge to you is live for that and that alone. And you'll never know lack in any area of life. Jesus, listen carefully, is purifying his bride. Deeply purifying her right now. As I said to you last week, a wedding is coming. That didn't excite you. I said a wedding is coming. A wedding is coming. The bridegroom is on the way. And the bride is making herself ready. By giving access to the Holy Spirit to purify her motives. The why she does what she does. Listen very carefully to me. If God didn't birth it, he will not bless it. If God doesn't birth it, he will not accept it. But there's something, there's something in the flesh that longs to be the hero. We want to be the hero rather than point to the hero. Interesting to me that on the seventh day God rested and God called the seventh day blessed. Rest is blessed. Fleshly activity is cursed. God doesn't need our compromise to build his kingdom. God doesn't need us to put a tool to the altar that requires no tool. It's what he told the Israelites. He told, told them, put no tool to the altar. In other words, I don't need your help. I just need you on the altar. God is challenging his people right now. We have to let him challenge us. We have to let the divine light of the Spirit to get down into why we do. Why does Dom pick the song she picks? Does it matter? Why do we pass the offering tray? Does it matter? Why was that post up? Why did Jesus' image post that? Does it matter? You better believe it matters. It all matters. When God gets into the motive. God begins purifying his bride. We talked, last, we talked about this last week, that God is after a bride with like nature, with like image that looks like the bridegroom. I want to challenge everyone here. Give God access to your motives. Allow him to say, why are you doing that right now? <laughs> and I'm not talking about sin. 
I'm talking about what looks like good stuff. I will have to answer to God as to not only the content of what I preach, whether or not it's truthful and scriptural, which I pray that it is. With everything in me, I believe in that. But I will have to answer to God as to why I preached everything I preach. Because he sees things that the crowds don't see. He sees every manipulation. And what we do is we say, well, God will use it. Well, people will get saved. Well, it will grow the church. Well, it adds numbers, and numbers are people. I've heard it all. But God doesn't need our compromise to add to his church. With everything inside of me, I want to look back at my life on the day I go home and say, the Lord has done the work, and it is beautiful in our eyes. With everything in me, I have never dreamt about the size of anything. I have dreamt about his presence. I think maybe the, some of the students last night asked me, did you ever think this would, or something, I don't remember, but I remember it, it triggered. Like, did you ever think God would do what he's doing? And I said, I wouldn't have even known to ask for it. I didn't know it was there. I was too busy staring at it. I never dreamt about the magnitude of events or the magnitude of a church or the magnitude of a school. I've dreamt about the Lord coming. That's what burns in me, the Lord coming. I want Jesus to come. And when he comes, I want him to more fully manifest himself because that means he can trust us. That's what I want. I want the visible glory of the Lord to shine on us and to shine in this room because that would mean something. He is trusting us with his feelings. That stuff I dream about. He's readjusting. He's reestablishing what it truly means to be successful in his eyes. I have no desire to use worldly means to get people into a room. I want the glory of the Lord to draw you into the room like a magnet. I want you to walk through these doors all giddy inside. Oh, I wonder what will happen tonight. What will the Lord do tonight? What will he say to me? How will I touch him? I wonder what will happen in worship tonight. Oh, Lord, I pray we find that seam and just disappear into his presence until we forget we're even singing and we're lost in his glory. That's the kind of thing I want you to think about. I want you to think about who will get born again and conveyed out of darkness into the glorious light of the kingdom of God. I want you to come in like a little child having no idea what will happen in the room because Jesus is not a mechanism. May that die in America. How, how, explain to me how we absolutely know that God is done moving in 70 minutes. 
How can we be so sure? Yet our thought process is, well, it's about the lost. People want to get home. It's Sunday morning. We can't go too deep on Sunday morning. People have needs. So we construct these mechanisms to get people. But what if we put all of our efforts into bringing Jesus? I'm serious. What, what if our meetings that were planned around bringing people were changed into meetings and we open the word and we go, what does he love? What brings his presence? Oh, does he like Thanksgiving? Let's do some songs on Thanksgiving. Should we enter his courts with praise? Let's adjust the set. Let's make sure there's Thanksgiving and praise out front. If that's what he likes, let's give it to him. And should we enter into worship until we are have been benched and God takes the field as Arthur Wallace said should we just do that it seems to be in the scriptures let's do that let's take our time and pray if God answers prayer let's pray rather than strategize so much I'm not saying that's bad but don't replace prayer with strategy this is who this is what God is doing he's Getting in, he's saying, look, look, you can have an auditorium with 10,000 people if Jesus isn't there. It's a failure. You can have a room of 100 and if he's there, it's heaven on earth. I want Jesus. And I want you to want Jesus. I know there's pastors listening. I love you. But I, I get messages. Can you tell us how, what's going on there? How do you find the musicians? I don't know. I don't know where they came from. Like from Mars. How'd you get the dancers? I don't know. They just showed up. Where did the singers? I don't know where they came from. How'd you get a choir? I don't know. We just said we should have a choir. God did it. What about these people? What are you doing? How, how do you get them here? I don't know. We don't think about it. They love Jesus. We love Jesus. We want Jesus to come and we want them to be with Jesus. They seem to like it. I don't know. So how did people getting saved? We preach the gospel. Well, how do they get healed? You pray for the sick. Not a single breakout meeting. We don't have a single whiteboard in there. There's not a whiteboard in that room, but there are tears on the carpet. Do you think Peter and Paul and the disciples were going with little Sharpie markers going, all right, at 847, we're going to transition. And at, nine, at 903, we'll get out of the way. And at 917, we're going to go into that song, at which point we'll ask for text to give. How did we get there? No, I'll tell you what they were doing. They were crying out in one accord, asking for the living Christ to fill their meetings. That's what God's doing. I've had the other stuff. I tried it. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to look back at my life and go, I did that. I did that. 
That would make me break inside. I did that. The people don't know that I did that, but I know I did that. You and I know it, Lord. I did that. That was the flesh. No, no. I, I want to look back at my life and say, the Holy Ghost did it. And it's beautiful to watch. You say, well, what's any of this have to do with me? I'm not leading a church. How you walk in changes everything. The way you come in determines the night. And when Jesus comes in the room, the person four rows behind you with stage four cancer gets healed. It matters how you come in. If you walk in going, I cannot wait to hear Michael preach, that's not the best way to walk in. But if you come in going, I'm coming in the name of Jesus and I cannot wait to worship him and I have no idea what he's going to do. I just know it's going to be wonderful. And I have come to pour my life out. I have not come for me because the church is not about me. It's about Jesus. And Jesus just helps me when he comes anyways. So this is just about him. All the songs are for him. That's why I say stand now because I sense the Lord's presence. I want us to learn how to live with him. There is more. I said there's more. I just prayed for a lady with stage four cancer who did not get healed. That bothers me. That bothers me. It should bother you. I'm sick of that demon. I'm sick of that Goliath taunting the people of God. I'm sick of the fear that it causes families. I'm sick of the, 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 the damage it does. And I'm tired of seeing what it does to the psyche of people. I'm tired of seeing people freaking out over this thing and other sicknesses. There's more. We have to go deeper. I want people to walk in. And before the first song takes place, I want those sicknesses to leave because Jesus is in the room. That has happened before and it is possible. And that is what I'm burning for. If there's eight of us in the room and that happens, I'm good. But there's more. Jesus is restoring this bridal heart. He's purifying us. Who, who cares about what the world would see as being great? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. I know I'm intense about this thing but it's it's just it's what God's doing many of you lead ministries in the room give the Lord the ministry back give it to him give him your careers give him your goals some of you think you've got this great future publicly give that to him too who cares who cares about who cares about people seeing you when heaven sees you There's ten thousands of ten thousands upon millions of angels. They'll see you. It's a big crowd. Give him everything. Whether he uses you in a certain way or not, just give it. And, and, and everyone here, listen carefully, and then I'm going to pray for you. We're going to receive communion. Everyone here will be faced with this crossroad. You mark my words. Anyone here who's been handed something, anyone, 
If you stay close to Jesus, he will ask for it back. And that's hard. That's called surrender and death. God gave Isaac to Abraham as a miracle. And then he said, give him back. I'm sure Abraham said, but you gave him to me. Why are you taking him? Possibly God's response would have been, I'm taking him because I gave him to you. Give him back. Do you know why? Because God refused to share Abraham's heart with Isaac. And whatever you give back to the Lord, he multiplies. Lord, tonight we've come to you, to your table, hearing, hearing what you're saying. Lord, I ask for mercy on my own life. Have mercy on me. You know my heart. You know how much I love your people and I love your church. But Lord, you are adjusting your people. You're adjusting your church. You are purging her. You are purifying her. You are cleansing her, of which I need it the most. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me actually be what I'm talking about. Help me live this way. Let everything else disappear, please. Let it all just go. Be the light in my eyes. Be the light of my vision. Blind me to everything else. Please, Lord, do it. I don't want to preach something that I'm not walking in, so I need your mercy. I need your mercy here. I need your mercy for these people. I need your mercy, Lord, for this school and this church, that this would not just be theory, that this would actually be what's happening. So, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on the leaders. Have mercy on every student, every church member, every leader of every ministry here. Lord, have mercy on us. Help us build in a way where you build. You said, I'll build my church. It's your job. And when you reward us in heaven and give us these crowns, we'll cast them down at your feet. You've done the work. Oh, you've done it, Lord, and it is marvelous and beautiful in our eyes. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we come to the table tonight asking, we repent, we repent. We repent, Lord. We repent for trying to turn people to us. We want to turn them to you. Cleanse our souls. Cleanse our minds. Cleanse our motives. Cleanse our deeds, our works, what we offer you, our lives, our businesses, our families, our ministries, our children. Cleanse us all. We ask you, Lord, to shine your glorious light in our lives. And we examine ourselves tonight that we not be judged. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv. 
or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.